0: I want you to do. I want you to look at the person to the left of you. Everybody doing it? Look at the person to the right of you. Good. Now, I want you to kind of look at kind of the people behind you. All right. Now, I want you to point to me whichever one you think is the biggest sinner. Go ahead. How come you're pointing at me? What's up with that? All right. We're going to be talking about sin today. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and say this, uh, this sermon is not going to give you those warm, mushy feelings all over. In fact, a lot of churches really don't even talk about sin anymore because um, we really don't like to. It's, it's kind of a bummer, you know, um, and nobody likes when you start calling sin, sin, then, you know, people start saying, well, why do you have reason to judge me? You know, there's a whole right and wrong thing. But the Bible is very clear on certain things of the Bible, and if we didn't talk about this, I would be doing you a disservice, and I would also be um, unfaithful to what God has called me to do. So um, we're going to be talking about sin today, looking at sin myths, because there's all kinds of things when it comes to sin that we've come up with different myths. Sin is no big deal. Sin is this, sin is that, and we're going to be debunking some of those myths um today but you know nobody likes the whole right and wrong thing because when I say hey you're sinning then well, well, pastor what, you have no reason to tell me that I mean you're you're no better than I am and you know what you're right I am no better than you are but when it comes to our spiritual life we do some things we don't judge we don't call sin sin but yet in our physical realm we don't do that stuff Um, when how many of y'all drove to church okay most of us all right um, hopefully, you drove in a vehicle. All right? Um, when you drive on the road, there are certain rules that you got to obey by, right? And if you don't, what happens? woo I'm sorry. Can I please see your license and registration? Of course, I've never been pulled over. That's just what I hear they say. <laughs> it's my nose growing. All right. Um, I mean, because there is a speed limit. All right? There are white lines on the side of the road so that you don't go too far over. There's a yellow line in the middle so that you stay on your side of the road. There's laws that we have to obey. There's a right and wrong. You can be a good driver or a bad driver. My wife will tell you I'm a bad driver. I get really become to be a bad driver when she tells me how to drive. All right? um, amen. That's exactly right. Okay, what about football? All right? Auburn won yesterday. War Eagle. Christ is going to return. Right? <laughs> They're not doing a good season so far. By the way, how did UT do? They didn't play. <laughs> good for them, huh? <laughs> That's the best they've done. Oh, Hang on, hang on. i got to come over here. Come on now. All right, blow it up, baby. All right, it's exactly right. I mean, when you go out on a field, there are hash marks. There is specific lines that if you go past this line, you are out of bounds. And what happens when you get out of bounds? You're out. <laughs> Alrighty. I can tell you're a band geek too. Alright. Anyway, move on. Because I was a band geek. I never played football. Everybody says, you should, you have the physique to play football. I have the physique to play a flute. I was not a flautist, but I was a trumpet player and I like tooting my own horn. Alright. So, let's talk about what is sin? What is sin? because there's specific rules in football, there's specific rules when you drive that if you do this, you're wrong. And the same is in your spiritual life, in your physical lives as well. Here's my definition. Definition of sin. Okay? And it's not a very theological one, but it's my definition. It's this. It's anything that hurts the heart of God. Anything that hurts the heart of God. There's sins that you do And there are sins that you don't do. Okay, murder. When you specifically kill someone, okay, that's a sin that you're doing. But many times God wants us to do something and we say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Like pray. He says in in his word, you need to pray, you need to read. And when we choose not to do that, that's a sin. So there's sins that you do and there's sins that you do that you don't do if you do them. Yeah. Um... And it's like at football, and this is how sin is. There's another definition of sin. Is sin is falling short. It's falling short of God's mark. It's really what it is. It's like that Hail Mary pass at the end of the game. They throw it, and it always falls short. It never, they never quite complete, especially if you're UT. You just never quite connect. Um, because Hail Mary passes are the last-ditch effort, and they're doing their best, but very rarely do they ever connect. They don't measure up, and that's what sin is. It's failing to measure up to God's standard. So let's look at some myths about sin, some rationalize. It's because all of us, when we sin, we, we re-rationalize. By the way, great definition of rationalizing is telling yourself rational lies. Because all of us, when we rationalize, we tell those, ourselves those rational lies that, you know what, you know, it's not that big of a deal. God's going to forgive me anyway, right? So why don't I just go ahead and do it? And you know what? Nobody's going to find out And all of these things that we're going to look at today. Let's look at the first myth. And here's the first myth is this, that sin, my sin, doesn't hurt anyone else. That's what we tell ourselves. Our first rational lie, my sin doesn't hurt anyone else doesn't hurt anyone else. Even though we've talked about that sin hurts God, we can say, well, this little sin that I do, I'm not hurting anybody. Since I'm not hurting anybody, it's my business, so butt out, right? Let's, let's look at some of those sins. Cheating on a test. Um, cheating on a test. I mean, how does cheating on a test hurt anyone? I mean, think about it. How does it hurt anyone? In fact, they've done a new study, 99 point something, uh, if all students cheat on a test it's like nobody even thinks about it anymore. But really, is cheating on a test sin? Well, how many of y'all have ever been in the hospital? Raise your hands. Ever seen a doctor? Good. Okay, that's, I think that's all of us. All right. If you were born, you saw a doctor. Unless you were raised in the woods by wolves. All right. Thank you, Mowgli. Um, anyway, uh, so if you have ever seen a doctor, how many of y'all would like to see a doctor that cheated on his medical exam? Anyone? Wow, there's like no hands. So somebody and says, you know what? Hey, just let you I'm going to be performing your appendectomy today. Um, and I, you know, during this section of my medical history, the exam and all this, stuff, I just, I cheated. So I'm going to be winging it today. But hey, I have stayed at a Holiday Inn. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. You see, nobody wants a doctor who's going to cheat because eventually all of us do have to find jobs, Right? college students you do eventually have to find jobs and hopefully you're going to find a job and whatever job you find there's going to be people are going to start trusting you because they are going to expect that you know what you say that you know that you know what that degree is so a test cheating it's a big deal Proverbs 11:1 says this the Lord hates cheating but he delights in honesty why does God hate cheating not because he's just trying to squelch your fun. He hates cheating because you're not being faithful in your responsibilities. Look at this next verse. This is Luke 16.10. You're not being faithful in your responsibilities. Look at this. Unless you are faithful. Everybody say the word faithful. Faithful in what matters? Small matters. You won't be faithful in large ones. If you, what's that next word? Cheat. If you cheat even a little. Come on now. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Man. You see, it does matter. It does matter. Okay, what about what about lies? Now I'm not talking about big lies. I'm talking about little white lies. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Little itsy beatsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dotted lies. Alright? You know what I'm talking about? I mean not big ones, not huge ones, but Bitty ones. Alright, what about those? How many of y'all ever told a white lie? I have. Man. I've told big lies too, all right? And uh how many of y'all ever got caught in a lie? Um I, I remember growing up, my mom, one of the very I mean one of the things she always told me, she says, I cannot stand a liar. And I remember when I got caught lying, she would take a switch off of the front tree. You know where this is going, don't you? And she would uh, bless me with that. <laughs> she, I mean, she would tear my heart up because I had broken her trust. And then when I would tell her things, she really couldn't believe me anymore because I had to rebuild that trust. You see, what little, even white lies, what they do is eventually, you're gonna, somebody's going to find out about it. Eventually, they are. And when they do they're going to have your trust in you broken. That relationship will be broken. Look at what Proverbs 26, 28 says. It says this, A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. You see, if you lie, it says you hate those because you love yourself more. Okay, let me give you another one. Now, this one, it's gonna. I know I, what exactly when I say this, you're gonna say, "Chris, you're a freak. You're a freak if you don't do this." But let me just let me just tell you, what about this? What about looking at other men or other women? It's no big deal, right? You know what? No one's gonna know. It's not hurting my wife. It's not hurting my kids. There's nothing wrong with window shopping, right, Chris? Um, I'm not doing anything. I'm just looking. Um, let's start with you women because it's a, very easy to get on men on this. What does it say to your husband when you go, oh, that Tom Cruise, that Brad Pitt. Yeah, oh, they're both freaks, all right? Man. So, but, I mean, what does that say to him when you just go on and on? Or let's go with you men. What does that say to you when a someone passes by and you whistle and and, and you take that second look? What does that say to your wife? It says to her that she's just really not all that. And you're thinking, well, that's just weird, Chris. I mean, everybody does that. Well, remember, what sin, it hurts the heart of God. It's God's standard, not man's. It's not what we're comfortable with. It's what God is comfortable with. Okay, what about pornography? I mean, again, think about it. You're not hurting anybody, right? You're just sitting at your keyboard, at your computer, and nobody's watching. Nobody's looking. You're not hurting your spouse. You're not hurting your kids. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that sexual sin not only hurts those around us, but it damages us as well. You see, you may think in the privacy of your own room that it's not hurting anyone else but it's hurting those around you and it's also damaging you. It's damaging your ability to find intimacy with another person. It's damaging you emotionally. It's damaging you spiritually. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 says. Paul writes this. What's that first word? Okay, let's just talk about that for a second. It doesn't say, "You know what? You know, try to just um Click off that website or, you know what, just just hang around and eventually it will go away. What does the Bible say to do? Run. Run. Run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is the sin against your own body. Or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? What that means is that God, if you're a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, if you've connected relationally with God, that God actually lives in you. That's that word, That's what that word temple means. That God lives in you, who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself So, because God bought you with a price. So, here's the point. So, You must honor God with your body. The Greek word for sexual sin, um, it says, go back if you would onto that screen. I want to show you something Uh, from sexual sin right up there. That Greek word is porneo. It's where we get our word porno from. You see, by engaging in pornography, it does affect your marriage. Pornography keeps you from the passion, the romance, and the intimacy felt with another human being. It keeps you from being real with another human being because you've given yourself to another. No, not physically, but spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. But some say, hey, at least I'm not acting on my desires, right? I mean, hey, I'm not doing things. I'm just thinking bad stuff. Look at what Matthew chapter five says, and this is what Jesus says. Um, Jesus says this: You have heard, you have heard that the law of Moses says, "Do not commit adultery." And we know, bad, bad, bad. All right. But I say to you, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye, uh-oh, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus equates looking lustfully at another person, taking that second glance with already doing the deed. That's how Jesus sees it. The lie is that my sin doesn't hurt anyone else. And know this, it is a lie. It is a myth. Because the truth is your sin won't stay hidden for long. It won't. Eventually, your sin will find you out. That's what Galatians chapter 6 says. Galatians 6 says this. Don't be misled. Paul's writing. He's saying, listen, don't. If you think that you can go down this road and not get hurt, you're being misled. You're being uh, driven down the primrose path. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. Let me just stop right there. You know, when we get into the passion of sin, whatever it is, whether it be uh, lust, whether it be lying, whether it be stealing, whether it be whatever, it's not that we say, I hate God by doing that, even though many times we... It's not that we say, you know what, I just... I want to do that. Here's what we think. It's really, there's a forgetfulness of God. When you get into that passion of that moment, it's not that you say, I'm abandoning all of my stuff, even though you are if you continue down that path. It's just that we forget. God who? What? What I'm getting ready to do has nothing to do with my spiritual life. I can just keep on going, doing what I want to do. We have this forgetfulness of God. Let me keep on reading. Remember that you can't ignore or forget God and get away with it. You will always, what is that word? Reap. You will reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires, porneo, will harvest the consequences of what? Of fun and life, right? Woohoo! Yeah Is that what it says? Harvest the the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now there's a principle found in this verse, and this is our big idea for today. Our big idea for today is this. It is the law of the seed. Everybody say that. The law of the seed. Let's say it one more time. The law of the seed. And here's that principle, that law at work. That whatever seed you have in your hand, when you plant it, you're going to get more of the same of what you planted, and you're going to get more of it. All right? Now, so if I have an apple seed in my hand, and I plant it and put it in the ground, what's going to grow? Apple tree. If I have an orange seed in my hand, I put it in the ground, what's going to grow? Oranges. You're exactly right. If I have a watermelon seed, and I put it in the ground, what's going to grow? Not oranges. Oranges. Because I planted a watermelon seed. Not only that, if I plant that apple seed in the ground, I'm not going to get an orange tree. I'm going to get an apple tree. I'm going to get the same characteristic of what I put in the ground out of the ground. And not only that, give it time. I'm going to get thousands of more seeds. Because I'm going to get thousands of more apples. That is a good thing if you're planting good things. Here's the issue, though. What are you thinking about? What are you doing all during the day? Are you planting good seed or are you planting bad seed? Because the law of the seed will work on both the good or the bad. Let's, let's go with the bad first because that's what most of us tend to think about. You know what? If I do, if I lie and I lie and I lie and I lie and I lie, what am I going to be? I'm going to be a liar and nobody will ever trust what I'm saying. My spouse won't trust. My children won't trust. My employer won't trust me. And I will lose my job because I am a liar because I have been lying. That's deceit. Or what about this? Uh, take that second look. It's not a big deal. I'm not hurting anybody, right? But eventually, that second look. We talked about this at a couple of weeks ago. Wherever your eyes are looking towards, where are you going to go to? You're going to go that direction. It's impossible to walk in a different direction that you're not, eventually, wherever your eyes are going towards, you're going to go there. It is natural because you're planting that seed. Or, what about this one? You know what? I'm going to be faithful to my spouse. I'm going to be faithful to my spouse, and I am going to treat her, I'm going to treat him with respect and honor and love like God tells me to in the Bible. You're planting a seed. You're planting a seed. And that seed will reap a beautiful marriage. You're planting a seed. You're always planting a seed. It's the law of the seed. You're always going to get more than what you got. Mark four eight says this. Jesus is telling a parable. He says this. Other seeds fell to the good soil, and it grew up and increased, and it yielded a crop, that produced thirty six sixty and what hundredfold. He's saying this. Whatever you put in, you're going to get more of. You're going to get more. So the first myth is this that my sin doesn't hurt anybody else. The second myth is this. (laughs) Hey, sin's fun. Sin's fun. Look at this verse. I noticed when I put this on the screen, (laughs) I should have put the rest of it in context. Okay, look at this. That's not good, all right? (laughs) I I have messed up. Let me tell you what the rest of this verse says. Let me just, uh, I'm going to read it to you. Because you're thinking, wow, the Bible says I need to go enjoy sin, right? Dear Lord. All right, uh, Matthew 11, uh, 25 says this. He's talking about Moses. All right, 11:25 By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he cho- uh, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy, here it is, the passing pleasures of sin for a short time. <laughs> so... Mo- God's not telling you to go and have fun and have sin. That's not what he's saying. He's saying Moses chose not to. All right, okay. Anyway, but here's a newsflash. Sin is fun, right? Sin is fun. Sometimes you say, sin makes me happy. We talked about happiness last week. but Circumstances, you remember? Happiness is based on happenstance. And hey, when I sin, have fun. Let's go through some of that. Hey, it's fun to sleep around with multiple partners. It's fun. It's fun to go partying every Friday and Saturday night. It's fun. It's fun to break the law. Hey, it's fun. But what happens when you discover you have an STD? The fun's no longer there. All the fun you've had doesn't make up for your present pain. Or what happens when you discover all the partying you've done has led to a nasty addiction to alcohol? You need more and more alcohol to keep your pain numb, and it just takes more and more, and it doesn't numb it as much. And breaking the law is fun, (laughs) except when you see those lights in your rearview mirror. You see, sin does not bring lasting happiness. It is fun for a season. That's what this verse says. It is fun for a while, but ultimately it leaves you unsatisfied. It leaves you emptier than when you ever tried it. Let me give you an example. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Magic played with the L.A. Lakers and led them to five NBA championships. Five. He was a well-known playboy off the court. Even though he was married to his wife, Cookie, he uh, he loved messing around. He had fun for a while. He's not having fun anymore. He contracted HIV. He now has AIDS. And you ask him, was it all worth it? Was all the fun worth it? He'd say, no, I have a walking death sentence. It's not fun anymore because there's always consequences. There's always consequences. It's like picking up up a stick. It's like if I pick up this guitar. If I pick up the top part of this guitar, what's the bottom part going to do? It's going to follow. See, I cannot pick up the top without the bottom coming, right? That's how it is when it comes to our decisions. There's always consequences. There's always consequences. You pick up one side, the other one is going to follow. It always does. It's the law of consequences. Man, sin is kind of like having a pet tiger. True story. A New York man who lived in the projects in New York kept a 400-pound Pet tiger in his apartment. Antoine Yates, 31, said he took the three month old Bengal tiger cub he called mean into his apartment two years ago and created a playpen in one of his rooms. Until his 400 pound tiger took a chunk out of him. He said he was trying to create a sanctuary for the animal. (laughs) Sure, he was. All right. you see, the problem with cute little tiger cubs, I mean, they're cute and they're so cuddly, is that they always grow into 400-pound man-eaters. That's how sin is. Sin looks cute for a while. Oh, she boogie 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 boogie. Until the more you keep doing it, the more you keep feeding it, and it becomes a man-eater. And it will kill you. The last myth we're going to be looking at today: the first one, you know what? No, nope, it doesn't hurt anybody. The second one, hey, sin makes me happy. The third is this. My sin lets me feel alive. I'm more alive when I'm doing it than when I'm not. Many times we feel like we just, oh, we, there's so much excitement. And there is when in the midst of it. But you know what? Sin doesn't actually bring life. It always results in death. Always. Romans 6.23 says this. Sin results in death. Everybody say that. Sin results in death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when you sin, you receive death. And are you thinking, well, I've done this and I didn't immediately die. Well, sin, when sin entered into the world, it brought death. But it's not just talking about physical death here. The word death here could better be translated separation. It breaks a relationship talking about a separation of relationship when we sin it separates us from god it kills our relationship with god here's a thought for you just think about this there's not one sin that you could ever do that will lead you to life every sin results in death every one. and it doesn't matter how alive it makes you feel in the moment when you're out of town on that business trip gentlemen and that opportunity arises, every sin leads to death. And it will will cause a death in your relationship. Sin causes us to break relationship with God, break relationships with our spouse, with our family. It causes us to even break relationship with our friends. Sin always causes us to wander far away from home. Let me end with a true story. This is a true story, by the way. So many times preachers can tell stories and you are like, yeah, right. This was amazing the very first time I heard it. There was this uh, mom, single mom, living in a trailer park on the outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona. This probably happened 15, 16 years ago now. And um, she had a, a toddler, a three-year-old, um, in uh, asleep underneath an umbrella, And this trailer park was right on the outskirts of the desert. And uh, she was outside watching the little boy sleep. Her phone rang. She went inside to get it. She was not in there long at all. She comes back out and her little boy is gone. He's nowhere to be found. She looks around and frantically starts looking, I mean everywhere, around the trailer and uh, to other people's yards and, and then she looks out into the desert and Where's where's my boy? And she calls the police. She dials 911. And they start ushering a frantic search. It was late in the afternoon when all this happened. So they started setting up a perimeter, but that night came, and they could not find the boy. And this mother was frantic. I mean, she didn't get an ounce of sleep. You wouldn't either. She wakes up the next day, and the police continue to look and they continue to look. They look all day and that day comes into the afternoon and that afternoon becomes night and they do not find this three-year-old little boy and she is hysterical and they don't know what to do. They pretty much have given up hope. They start looking the third day. That morning, they find the three-year-old boy almost five miles away from home. The little boy is alive. He endured 100 degree temperatures, has a little bit of a sunburn, endured the 50 and 60 degree nights. But the little boy is alive. And everybody's asking themselves the question how did this boy get almost five miles away from home? How? And the answer is this one little baby step at a time one little step just one one little step and that's how sin is sin we take those little small steps little small steps until when we look over our shoulder our home is nowhere to be found Our, the place where we receive love is nowhere to be found and we're lost Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And sin will cost you more than you can ever pay. And when you look back over your life, over your shoulder, you're going to see regrets. And you're always going to be thinking, the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener when you water it. Let's pray, Lord. I know this is a, a very hard message for some of us to hear because I know there's some of us here that we uh, we we've, we've taken those baby steps. We are far away. We have far away from home. Some of us are physically far away from home. This is not where we grew up, and. Parents are not around us. They don't know what we're doing. Some of us have walked away from marriages. Some of us have walked away from decisions that we made to other people, promises. And when we look back over our shoulder, sin is taking us far away from those that we love. Lord, I know that there's some people in here today that they need to say, "I, I need to come home. I need to be home. I don't know which way home is. I'm just totally lost. But my sin has broken my fellowship and my relationship with God. And it's broken my relationship with those who care the most about me. So Lord, right now, I'm coming back to you. I am confessing my sin. Your word says so clearly that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just, and you will forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of the dirt in our lives. So Lord, I I pray, Lord, that you would just bring me back. Bring me back to the innocence I once had that I've lost. Lord, I'm coming back. I am go- been going one direction, but I'm stopping and I'm going a different direction. If that's you this morning, if you need to make that decision and you need to say, God, I'm coming back to you, or maybe that you've never ever came to God. You've never ever connected in a relationship with Him. If you need to repent, if you need to just come back... Just while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, would you just lift your hand? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I see you. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. If you've never ever connected relationally to God, you're still lost. If you're not a Christ follower, you're still lost and you have no hope of getting back home unless Jesus Christ comes and offers you forgiveness. If that's you this morning, I would ask that you would pray a prayer like this. Silent to yourself. Dear Lord, I am a sinner. I have messed up. And Lord, I know now that my sin has broken fellowship and relationship with you, God, And I come and I ask Your forgiveness. I ask Your Son, Jesus Christ, to come into my life and in my heart. And Lord, that I would become a Christ follower. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I live for You.